Welcome to our Victory Outreach Boston podcast. We pray you are blessed, encouraged, and challenged with this message. Praise the Lord. There it is. Come on, give God praise. Now, now listen. You know, being a Christian doesn't mean that everything is always going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that every day you wake up, you're going to feel... See, that's what the world doesn't understand about Christianity. Is why do you go through what you go through, but you still have a song in you? When you're with your families this week during Thanksgiving, they're going to say, why are, you, why are you so joyful? You should be in darkness. But, you know, maybe because we're experiencing certain relationship difficulties or, you know, different things that haven't worked out for us as Christians. But when they see us, there's something the devil could never take from us because he tries it. And that's our joy. That's our joy. That's our joy in the Lord. That's what that song says. I got a reason, right? Is that what it says? Okay, that's the other song. Amen. <laughs> that's why I didn't ever join the worship team. <laughs> but we got a reason this morning. Maybe your kids ain't where they should be, but you got a reason. Maybe you aren't at, in your business where you want to be, but you still got a reason. Maybe your marriage is not at the highest place, but you still got a reason. Oh, man. I feel like the worship team already got us in a certain place. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, this morning, I want you to open your Bibles. Give them a hand. They did a great job today. Um, and open your Bibles to John chapter 2. And as you turn there, I want you to remain standing. If you don't have your Bible, open your device. I have, you know, I know this generation, the boss culture generation, they use their devices, and that's okay. As long as you're using it in, in, in the house of God for God's purposes. Um, and I think it's important for this generation to learn that, is that the word of God is, is what transforms our lives. It's what transforms our, the way we think. And... And, 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 and I'll talk a little bit more about it in my mind. This is not going to be your ordinary Thanksgiving mess. I was going to preach, be thankful with a grateful heart. But I said, you know what, God, God put something in my heart. And I was, going to, I was going to speak a message called eagle or turkey. But I'll save it for another time. Because how many of you want to be eagles for God? Isaiah chapter 40, right? Then why do you hang around with turkeys? That's another message. I'm not going to preach that. Uh, I'm going to have you sit shortly, um, and, and before I read uh, this chapter, I just want to say, if you're under the age, I would say 30, 30 and under, and you, or you have young people at home, Friday night's boss culture is, was really what are the beginnings of our third wave um, young adult and student ministries. And, and right now it's just a Bible study, but eventually when we have our own building, because how many of you know this new year, God's going to do some tremendous things, right? We're going to be opening up our men's home, prayerfully our women's home. Um, we got all the things that we need. We just need you to participate in this vision. Um, but Friday nights is a place to be. Uh, if you have a young person, send them. They had a great time. I thought they were at a nightclub. I was like, my God. But it was a spiritual atmosphere, and they did a tremendous job. Um, so we're really excited for what's taking place there. And then also prepare yourselves. We, next week is a soul winning week. You know, uh, we have an illustrated performing arts sermon. Invite somebody. Be a soul winner. The Bible says he who wins souls is wise. So be wise and bring somebody. Bring your mom. You're going to be with your family. How many of you know our families need Jesus? 
So invite them on. You're gonna have a, there's going to be a young, good-looking speaker. No, not me. I'm speaking today. Another young, good-looking speaker. And we're gonna have, he's going to do illustrated parts of the sermon. We're going to have a great time next week. But also I want you to prepare for New Year's Eve. Where right now we're praying. We're going to try to find a location where we could be together. We could celebrate. And we could have a good New Year's Eve together. So pray that we'll find a, a place we're able to rent. We need our own church building. How many of you can say amen? amen. Right, Colin? Come on. So... I want you right here in John chapter 2, verse 1. It says, the next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. After Jesus' mother was there, uh, Galilee, Jesus' mother was there, Mary was there. And Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. Say, oh, no more short dogs. I'm sorry. So Jesus' mother told him they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. And standing nearby were six water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. In other words, they were kegs. Amen. <laughs> if we could break it down to modern day language. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. And when the master of ceremonies tasted the water, that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the least expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now John 1 16 we're going to jump there we're going to we're going to go one chapter back it says it says this from his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another father we ask you this morning to take full liberty in this place open every heart this morning every from every the, the heart that is the hardest to the one that is the most open you're you're a God who knows where every single one of us is at from the front to the back that the power of your Holy Spirit just begin to move in this place we ask these things in Jesus' name, and everybody says amen and amen. Look at your neighbor and say an attitude of gratitude. And I'm going to speak to you very shortly because we have communion that we're going to be doing. Go ahead and be seated. Um, I'm, I'm you know, not going to take my usual time. Um, we, I know many of you are preparing, already preparing your turkeys. You're already preparing your stuffing, you know, the secret stuffing or your mashed potato, whatever you guys are going to be doing. It's pretty easy to find a turkey in Massachusetts because they walk across the street sometimes. So I'm getting a free turkey this year. Amen. But we are coming up on the holidays. I'm gonna be, I want to speak to you on having an attitude of gratitude despite your latitude. And I'm telling you, I should have been a rapper, but God called me to preach. Amen. We are coming up on the holidays. In fact, this, was, this Thursday we are celebrating Thanksgiving. How many of you love Thanksgiving? <laughs> now it is estimated... 55.4 million people will be traveling more than 50 miles to spend it with their family. That's a lot of traveling, a lot of Americans going from what coast to coast, from the middle of America to the outskirts of America, from the outskirts of America to the middle, middle of America, but traveling to spend time with their family. And no matter what kind of family history or chemistry that has taken place with your loved ones, many of us are willing to change our latitude 
in order to be with them. Now, latitude, the definition of latitude means an extent of, 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 an extent of distance from one width to another width. Now, we have heard it said that there may no, you know, Pastor Eddie from New York was here, and he preached a powerful message on the, on, the, on the dysfunctional family. How many of you come from a functional family? Lift your hands in the air. I don't think any of us come from a functional. You know, I realize this. You know, I raised my family in the things of God, but even my, I'm sure I have my dysfunctions. As a father, as a, as a, as a husband, I have my, my wife says I'm the perfect husband, but I think she's lying to me. But there, there's dysfunctions that we may not realize within our families that take place, whether we realize it or not. But no matter what kind of chemistry or what kind of atmosphere there is, we are willing to travel to spend time with family. Out of those 55.4 million people, one of them will be my daughter leaving California to move to Boston on Thanksgiving Day. And, of course, I have my sons here with me this Thanksgiving. So I'm really, really, truly blessed and, and really honored that God really has, has really heard the cry of my heart. But, you know, we know that through these times as we're together, whether our families are big or small, dysfunctional or functional, we get along, we don't get along. We're willing to travel a long distance to change our latitudes. And because of, and maybe because of quarrels, strife, disagreements, divorce, alcoholism, we might even show up with a little attitude or at least have one family member that does. You always have that one bitter family member. All, I don't know about you, but there's, all, there's one in my family all the time. Nothing's ever good enough for them. Or they go back to the past. Or Like I have a family member like that. They'll be coming here this, tomorrow, actually. <laughs> you won't meet them, so I can talk about it. Amen. Some of you will, but many of you won't. He goes back to when we were little kids and how we didn't grow up right. And I'm like, you know what, bro, get over it. Like, come on, become a man now. Like, become a man now. Let God heal that because if you keep living that way the rest of your life, look at how your life has ended up. It's not the best. Not the, like, you're, you're on track now, but it took you, you're 44 years old, bro. He looks older than me, by the way. So no matter, you know, all these, these the, you know, we come into maybe so there's, some dis, there's some strife, there's some dysfunction taking place. And we may even think that these family dynamics are something we have to put up with or that this may be the way it was meant to be for us within our families. Maybe we're the black sheep of the family. I know that my, my family never really wanted me and my sister around because we, weren't, we, weren't, we, were, we were trouble. You know, they used to call me Daniel El, Tra, El Travieso when I was a little kid because I would find trouble in everything. Like I would be climbing and I would fall and just, I would be, I'd be in mischief from a very young age. So as we look at the scripture, with that in mind, as we look at the scripture... We find Jesus at a wedding or a family celebration. His mom is invited. And in those days, it was a very, very, uh, um, it was a very uh, social event for the whole community to come together at somebody's wedding. And, to, and if you were invited, it was very, very highly honored. And so Jesus, they believe that Jesus' mom was invited and she invited Jesus because they believe that, that Joseph was already dead at this time. He might have already passed away. And his mom asked him to help. How many of you love to ask your sons for help and they say no? Amen. <laughs> if you have sons or daughters, sometimes when they're teenagers, they don't want to help. And he begins, she asks him for help because the hospitality in those days was remarkable. And they believe that Mary, it was a friend of hers and she just wanted to, for it to be the best function for their family member at this wedding. So she 
she, she asked Jesus, can you please help? Now, they believe that she might not have been asking for a miracle, but she thought that she, he could make some formidable excuse of why the, wine, the good wine had ran out, or the, actually all the wine had ran out. But Jesus' response to his mother is not a disrespectful response, but he responds to her, what is it to us? My time has not yet come. For his time of his ministry had not yet come because if you read this, you know, John 4, he goes into the desert and he has, a, he has a, a, an encounter with Satan. And, 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 of course, we know what happens there. He's filled, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit and he uses God's word to battle the devil. So we know that he's about to go into a temptation before he enters his ministry. And we see here that he tells her, my time has not yet come. But he instructs the disciples to fill. He says, you see those six water jars there? Fill them up with water. Now those water jars were used for purification in the Jewish law. And it was custom for people as they entered or left homes to wash their hands and their feet. To, to, in the Jewish purification, they were always purifying the outward. It was always an outside job. It was always how they looked on the outside. And it's funny that Jesus points to these purification jars because that's what, you know, he goes, listen, get that, fill them up with water, and then take them to the master of ceremonies. So as we understand that the water was used for purification, so we'll get back to that in a minute. So the, they take it to the master of ceremonies, and as he drinks this cup of water, or, you know, the, he, he thinks it's wine because he doesn't know it's water before. He drinks it, and he says, oh, my God, that is the best wine I've ever tasted. And he goes and he calls the, the bridegroom. He says, man, what a job you've done. Usually, in places like this, we put out the good wine first. And when everybody's a little tipsy, then we replace it with cheap wine. That sounds reasonable because it's very expensive to have everybody drink wine at a wedding. And he says, but this is not the case today. In fact, you have saved the best wine for last. See, Jesus, as he tells them to fill up the water, as they did, he presents it to the master of ceremonies. And the Bible records that he, drink, he drinks it. The water was turned into wine, and he didn't know where it came from. So he found the ground, and he tells them, this is the best wine you've ever had. And for many of us, we could identify with the master of ceremonies. See, we didn't realize when, when we were being served bad wine in life. Our parents may have gave us bad wine because they didn't know any better because they got bad wine. Our spouses may have gave us bad wine. Our uncles and aunts may have gave us bad wine. They may have given us bad wine thinking it was good. So here we are in life thinking we have all we, this is all we have left. We, we, we've had the best of life. And whatever background you come from, maybe you have a great family. Maybe you have a dysfunctional family. Maybe there's been abuse, divorce. Maybe there's been different things taking place. But you've thought you've had the best wine of your life. But then one day Jesus shows up. One day somebody comes and hands you a flyer to Victory Outreach Boss. And he says, listen, God has a plan for you. And you can live your purpose. And then when you taste and see that the Lord has been good. And you have an encounter with Christ. There's no marijuana. There's no alcohol. There's no relationship. There is no job. There is no education. That is better than Jesus. My friend, you can vape the rest of your life and you'll never feel as good as the day you meet Jesus. 
See, you thought you had the best wine, but then you realize when you taste Jesus, wait a minute, the wine that I had, in fact, it was only meant to destroy me. It was only meant to destroy me. I grew up in an abusive home. My stepfather was very abusive. When my brother comes, I'm sure he's going to talk about my stepfather. My stepfather's been dead 30 years. You remember when he used to beat us? I'm like, yeah, brother, but my God, like, I'm 46 years old. Like, he doesn't control my life no more. But my brother feel, probably feels the man that was supposed to protect him had violated him. And I, and I, I can't live in that I, because I was the bad wine. But I tell him, listen, but when Jesus came on October 3rd, 1999 into my life, then all of a sudden I, I tasted the good wine and I understood why God opened up my eyes. And See, I had a working mom. My mom was a working mom. We came from a poverty home. We were very poor when we were little kids. You know, like my stepbrother would give my other stepbrother his clothes and then my middle stepbrother would give me his clothes, like, but not, not, new, not brand new. And then I would give them to my little brother. Like, it was like that. We were, we were poor. And my mom ended up getting an education. She ended up, during the computer revolution, yes, I'm that old, during the, when computers were just coming out, she ended up going to a school, got trained in computer data entry, got a good job at a hospital. So she had a good job when I was young. But, she, but then, you know, my stepfather, he ended up passing away. And um, she had to raise us on her own. So in her mind, it's better for you to party at home because I was going that way. I was going down a path of destruction. It's better you to have your friends at the house and do what you want. Because I'd rather you do it here than on the street. See, that was her way of giving us her good wine. But how I many you know that wasn't the answer? In fact, that was the worst thing she could have done. Because that didn't save me from doing things that I shouldn't have done. It didn't, it didn't save me from still going out on the street. So she gave me what she thought was good wine. But then one day, I remember she had an encounter with Jesus. That revolutionized our family. And she came to visit me one day. She said, son, I, 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 I want to tell you about a man that I met. In my mind, I'm like, oh, my God, not again. <laughs> I really thought that. I didn't tell her that, but I really thought that. And she says, yeah, I met a man, and his name is Jesus. And he told me he has a plan for your life. And I, and I said, honestly, I wasn't a Christian. But I said, think, man, what if my mom went crazy. She said, God, show me a vision that you're going to preach one day. And I'm like, what the heck, woman? Whatever you're smoking, I want some. <laughs> but then because now I have received bad wine for so many years, now when she, was, she, when she encountered the good wine, she began to pour it out upon all her children. And we didn't want to hear it. We got more rebellious. Things got way worse. But she didn't give up. She kept saying, listen, Jesus is going to do something in our family. And, I'm gonna, and, and he's already shown it to me. And she just kept giving us good wine and good wine and good wine. And... Then I started to realize, wait a minute, the life I'm living now, wait a minute. Because I started getting older. I was 23 years old and I was tired of life. And I said, you know what, whatever my mom is doing, whatever has happened to her, I want that. I want that life. She's full of joy and she's happy all the time. I've never seen her like that before. God, I want that. If you're real, then you're going to have to change my life. Just don't do it now because eight months from now, I'll do, you know. I made a promise to God, if, if, I, if I work things out in eight months... If I make it out of here with you know, no scratches, then I'm also, I'll go to that place, that men's home she's talking about, that Victory Arch place that she's talking about. In October, September 27, 1999, I walked into the church for the very first time, and oh my God, in my mind, I knew this is what I've been looking for, what I felt. 
what I felt. I said, man, there's something different about this place. Either they're all crazy, they're all faking, or they're all just happy. They're always happy. All, the, for the first three days I fought it. I'm like, I don't know. I still, I still want to go party. I still want to do a little few things. You know, I, I want to see my old friends. But then all of a sudden I knew that, that this was a moment, a divine moment in time because a good wine was being poured out. And when I tasted the good wine, when I began to taste the good wine, that I wanted to pour it out to everybody that I knew. All my friends have heard about the Lord. All my, my, my family has heard about the Lord. I used to be the black sheep, but now, my friend, I'm the good shepherd. Not Jesus, but I'm the shepherd to my family because of the good wine. See, sometimes we have a difficulty with our upbringing or maybe even in our journey in the Lord because things haven't worked out the way we thought they should or the way we expected them to. So those things could influence our reflection as a Christian. So when we're around people, we always look sad. I always tell people, hey, are you happy? Yes, pastor. Well, then tell your face. Because <laughs> if, if I'm a non-believer and I see you, you're not going to make me attracted to Christianity. You know what made me attracted to Christianity? Because my mom was full of joy. And then when I met the people from Victory Outreach, they were full of joy. And they said, I've been praying for you. I'm like, I don't even know you. They said, no, but you're part of the family. We've been lifting you up before the throne of God. And we knew that God was going to do a miracle when you were sitting in that jail cell. We knew it. <coughs> that was the good wine. But we must remember this holiday season, especially on Thanksgiving, we may not be at the latitude or at the location we want to be at in life. We may not be at, 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 at the perfect place that we think we should be at. But because of the good wine, we can still have an attitude of gratitude no matter our latitude. We could walk into that, that family house and say, listen, I might not be the perfect brother, the perfect husband, the perfect father, but I know a perfect God in heaven, and, he, and, he, and he's given us good wine, and, and we can celebrate and have a blessed Thanksgiving this week. You understand that? that you, you, you look and you say, you know what, everything I experienced in the, in, in my, in, in the past before Christ, God's going to turn it around. God's going to use it for his glory. God, even the things that we didn't expect, maybe there was relationship issues, maybe there was financial issues, maybe your business didn't go as planned, but it's still okay. I'm here to tell you this morning, you can still be thankful because you're alive. You know that, you know, I've always had a zeal for life since I was young. Like, I've never been a person to wake up and say, I wish I was dead. I know some people deal with that. And I'm, I'm not downplaying that. But I've always had a zeal. And, 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 but when I became a Christian, that zeal, it doubled. Like, I said, man, I wake up in the morning. I remember, I remember the day I got saved. The next day, uh, it was October 3rd. It was a Sunday night service. We don't have those anymore. At least in Boston, they're not. We still go Sunday morning and Sunday night service. And I remember going to a service, got saved. The next day I went outside, and, and in our men's home there was a long driveway, long. Uh, like, like, I don't know, you know, 10 meters, 15 meters, maybe more than that. And there was a humongous tree outside that men's home. And I remember going outside, didn't really know much about the Bible. I started reading my Bible. And I, started, and I looked at the tree, and I said, man, this tree is so green. And then, and then I looked at the sky. This was, this was a true story. I looked at the sky and I said, I don't ever think I've seen the sky before. It's so blue. 
And all of a sudden, the scales were moved from my eyes and things I didn't notice before. See, God was giving me the good wine. And then gratitude began to swell up. Gratitude. Because I, and, and I began to love the life God was giving me. Because it's not an easy life sometimes. The Bible says the path is narrow. Not many follow it. Why do you think that is? I tell our team, our team was been working, and I want to commend our team. They were cleaning, moving, painting. We've been doing a lot of moves. God's doing a lot of new things. We'll announce it next week. And uh, I said, what did you come here for? Ooh. I said, no matter what we do, we're blessed. Amen. You know, if we got to paint, we're blessed. If we got to move, if we got to preach, if we got to witness, we got to go out in the cold, we're blessed. We're alive. We taste the good wine. And everybody we come in contact with has to be on the same page. So when you're there cutting that turkey, stop and say, you know what, I want to thank God. I had a sister who was a hardcore gang member, drug addict, an abusive relationship. She used to abuse her husband. And I used to go, when I got saved, God gave me a really good job after I graduated our men's home. How many know God was a rewarder? I had a, they gave me a company van with a company gas cart. I didn't even have a license, and they knew it, though. I ended up getting my license. I got, I got a 401K, and I remember going to my sister's house with her and her husband, and they were party animals. They were, she was just crazy. And I remember standing there about her kids' gifts. They were little at that time. And, 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 and then her husband says, you know, thank you, but we're, we don't need handouts. He was like a real prideful dude. And I said, I'm not giving you a handout. But it's because God has blessed my life. Because God has given me good things. And I want to tell you, I'm here, I'm, I'm, we're blessing our children because they're my nephews and nieces. But because God has a plan for them. And in fact, his name was Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy. I don't, don't just say give me, give me. But let me pray for you, Jimmy, Jimmy. And I began to pray for them. And I told my sister, God has a plan for you. And he has a plan for your kids. And we began to see that plan come to pass. Because the good wine. Because what the encounter with Christ was overflowing. That's what God wants to do to you and I. When we may not have the best family function dynamics or we may not have the best upbringing. There might have been some, some horrible things that has happened to you. But now you've tasted the good wine. Now you're walking in Christ. Now you're a son and daughter of God. You're not an addict. God didn't create addicts. God didn't create alcoholics. God didn't create divor divorces. He created sons and daughters. And my friend, I'm here to tell you, no matter what your latitude is, be grateful. You know, I have to remind myself because sometimes I wake up and things aren't going the way I, you know, even in church planning, even with my family. These aren't always the way I want it to be, but I got to remind myself. I remember days, you know, wasted days and wasted nights. And I have to go back to when God rescued me. And then thankfulness swells up. And I say, you know, God, I don't know why you chose me. I had nothing to offer you. I didn't have an education. I couldn't talk. I wouldn't like to be around a public, around a lot of people. I was in darkness. I don't know why you chose me, but I'm thankful that you chose me. And then not only would you choose me, but you would, you, 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 out of everybody in the world, you would raise me up and send me to, to South Africa. Well, why would you even do that? But I'm thankful. Then, then I'm not from the East Coast, but you raise me up out of the West Coast and take me and plant me to the East Coast. But I think I should have been born in the East Coast because I love it so much. Why would you do that, God? Well, I'm grateful. I don't know why you chose me. But man, God, I'm thankful for the good wine. Because believe me, the bad wine is the, the, what the devil meant to destroy your life. He meant to keep you in bondage and fear. 
And we all deal with different things. You know, we all deal with different upbringings. We all different, deal with different, you know, even, even vices. Some of us have vices. We're, we're bound to that cigarette. You know, God wants to break that this morning. Why are you putting my business out there? Well, just be thankful. Well, only God could judge me. Well, then I would be afraid of that. You're right. Only God could judge you, but I would be afraid. As Tupac used to say that. Only God could judge me. Well, he's going to judge you now, bro. But that's a scary thing. It's fearful to fall into the hands of the living God in a state of sin. But when we taste the good wine, and you could be this, there this Thanksgiving. I, I'm, I'm going to have a great Thanksgiving. You know? I'm going to have a great Thanksgiving. But my Thanksgiving starts today. Now, when, you're, when you have an attitude of gratitude, you'll be thankful for what God has blessed you with. Now, in John, in John 1, 16, I'm going to read you another version. It says, for out of his abundance, we receive blessing upon blessing, or spiritual gift upon spiritual gift. But the Amplified Version reads, for out of his fullness, we have all received or all had a share, and we are all supplied with one grace after another. And spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing. And even favor upon favor. And gift upon gift. You know what that means? That means that you're double blessed because of what Jesus has done for you and I. Well, I don't feel blessed. Well, you don't got to feel blessed. The fact that you're sitting in the house of God when other people are out there. I have friends that are never getting out of prison. I have friends that are dead. But because of the grace of God, with blessing upon blessing, favor upon favor, my friend. I have a beautiful wife, beautiful ch- All my children are healthy. I'm blessed. Spiritual blessing upon. Look at your husband and say, I'm double blessed. Look at your husband and say, I'm double blessed because of you. Husband, look at your wife and say, I'm, I'm blessed doubly because of you. I have favor upon favor. I've received gift upon gift. Blessing upon blessing. Because Jesus Christ and, the, and, and because he died on the cross for you and I. Favor upon, you're double blessed. There's a double portion of anointing upon your life. Oh, man. Not, now, see, some of you get excited for seconds. Or we should say doubles. We want double of that. We want double pay at our jobs. But you already have double spiritual blessing. This is good. Listen, this is going to be a year, and you could be thankful for this. We're already hearing praise reports of people buying cars and starting businesses and, and getting ideas from God. We're going to see favor upon favor. Watch, God's going to give us the keys to our very own building. We're going to see our men's home. We're going to see a couple come in to run our men's recovery home. Why? Because there's favor upon favor, blessing upon blessing. And when you walk into Thanksgiving, walk in with your head up high in humility, but say, listen, it's only because of God. An attitude of gratitude. There's a famous writer as they come to the piano. And he says this. Your attitude will determine your latitude. In other words, if you're not happy for what you have now, well, I have a little job and I work at Star Market. Well, be faithful in that little job. Well, I have no money right now, but 
I've been giving when I come, whatever I have. And, well, continue to do that. Because your attitude, you're going to see God elevate you. You might have a hoopty right now. Do you know what a hoopty is? Tommy had a hoopty. But now he got a matrix. Amen. For $500. That's a miracle. I don't know how that boy does it. And two motorcycles and a moped. And rollerblades with an engine. Now, that guy's remarkable. But this, this, your attitude will determine your latitude. You know how much negativity I have to fight for the moment I wake up? Oh, you're the pastor. Yeah, man, but what do you, sometimes I, wake, I have dreams. And I wake up and sometimes fear. The other day I woke up, I was thinking about the church building. I couldn't even sleep. I was like, it's just, God, what are you going to do? Wake up about family. I'm human. We're human. But then thanks, the thoughts of thanksgiving came all, oh, but thank God for your tender mercies. Your mercies are new every morning, the Bible says. Purify my heart, God. Purify my heart. Let me be a thankful person. Let me be a joyful person. But there's moments of negativity. There's moments where the devil says, it's never going to happen. Your God lied to you. Is it worth it? And then I can't look in the natural. I can't look at things in the natural. I got to get my eyes on God's word. And yesterday I was at the table and I was reading promises that God had given me many years ago. And me and my wife were talking and she goes, she asked me about a scripture. It was found in Psalms and it says, is when the children of Israel returned to Jerusalem after they're in exile, it was like a dream. And that scripture reminded me of a promise God gave me. He gave me that promise many years ago. And, and I went back to it and I was reading all the promises he gave me for my family, for the ministry. And I began to remind myself. And the reason why I did it, honestly, the reason why I did that, because the devil was lying. The devil was lying. And I went back to God's word and God says, listen, I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I don't need your help. That's what he told me. I don't need your wisdom. I just need your trust. And be thankful. Just be thankful. So when I woke up this morning, I was just like, you know what? I'm thankful, man. I'm thankful. I remember a season in my life where I wasn't so thankful. But I'm thankful now because of the good wine. The good wine. Nothing will satisfy you. There's no woman that will satisfy you. There's no man that will satisfy you. There's no drug. There's no, there's no career. But there's nothing that will satisfy you like Jesus. I might not have it all, but I know who does. I might not have it all together, but he holds me together. All my dreams might have come to pass, but I know who holds my dreams. And this morning, I don't know how you came in, but I'm going to pray for you because we're going to take communion. And that communion, listen, communion is not for everybody. If you're in sin, if you're not right with the Lord, and you're not willing to make it right, don't take communion. This is not a religious act for us. This is not just come and take a wafer and, oh, and then you go. And, no, this is a very spiritual moment. We're going to do that in a minute. But I'm going to pray for those that just want to experience another level of, thanks, of thanksgiving. Because the Bible says, you know, how many of you ever heard of the, of the prayer of how you pray? Like there's, there's like a, 
you know, if you look at the, the our Heavenly Father prayer, it, there's, there's a, it's not that you repeat that prayer. That's religious. You could repeat the prayer, but, you know, but if you do that every sun, every day, that's religious. But it gives you a pattern of adoration. It's called acts. Have you heard of acts? Yes. Somebody said tacos, but I forgot, I forgot the thing for tacos. It's pretty good, too. It was adoration. When you go into prayer, you adore him. Give him all the praise that he's worthy. God's worthy of our praise. It doesn't matter how you feel. Confession. Acts. A-C-T. Thanksgiving. And I think that's where a lot of us skip. Because we don't know how to thank God for what he's about to do. See, sometimes you got to thank God. I thank you for that, that idea you're about to give me. I thank you for that, those finances that are about to come in. I thank you for my man of God. That I don't know who he is, but I thank you anyways. Give thanks for what he's done and give thanks for what he's going to do. Thank you for saving my family. Oh, they might not be saved. Thank you, God, for the building you're about to give us. Thank you for the souls you're going to save. Thank you, God, that, I'm, uh, you know, that you've given me a purpose to live out. Thank you, God, that you chose me, the foolish thing of the world. Thank you, God, that you gave me a wife. I don't know what she sees in me, but thank you. I don't know, maybe I'm just a little crazy. But I thank God, man. If you knew where he brought me from, if you knew where he brought many of us from, the, way we, the reason why we serve God the way we do, I can't earn what God has given me. Never. I can't give it back. I can't give it financially. I do all those things because I'm thankful. I'm thankful. That's why I give my tithes. Not because a man tells me to. God's word tells me to. Because I'm thankful. I'm thankful. And we're thankful for you. So this morning, I pray that you search your hearts. You search your hearts. That's why we come to Sunday morning services. We're thankful. Why God chose me, I'll never, well, and I'm, hopefully I'll ask him one day, why would you choose me, Lord? There are so many people that you could have chose before me, but you didn't. That makes me thankful. And that's why we live the way we do. Gratitude. Thank you for joining our podcast. We pray this message builds your faith, encourages, and strengthens you in your walk with the Lord. If you would like to partner with us, sow a seed today. Head on over to our website at voboston.org and hit the giving link located at the top of the page. God bless you.